0: Producers and creators are the sources of all value on the planet. MC Lobster, the host of the top-rated business and investing podcast, Cashflow Ninja, is on a mission with Producers Wealth. To help producers create, protect, and multiply their wealth outside of Wall Street in any economy by creating systems and processes that help them increase their production, provides them with liquidity, passive income generators, and opportunities for enormous growth. Learn more about their time-tested
1: and proven systems at yourownbankingsystem.com. At your Welcome
0: to the Cash Flow Ninja, the podcast sharing how to create income streams and manage, multiply, and protect your wealth in the new economy.
2: Here is your host, Inside the Dojo, MC Laubscher.
0: Hello Cashflow Ninjas, MC Lobs here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and in today's show we're going to look at cashflow opportunities in residential assisted living. My guest in this episode is Gene Garino. Gene is the founder and CEO of the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene has trained thousands of investors and entrepreneurs throughout the United States how to invest in and operate residential assisted living homes. For over 25 years, he has been educating people on the strategies of successful investing, business, and self-employment. If you want to know how to achieve a level of security that affords you the lifestyle that you desire, create an executive level cash flow, and make a positive difference and gain access to the next significant wave of real estate investing opportunity, Gene can help you. With 77 million baby boomers, there's an unstoppable silver tsunami of opportunity in senior housing. Think about it this way. 10,000 people a day are turning 65. 4,000 people a day are turning 85. 70% of those people will need special accommodations for an average of three and a half years.
1: Are you an investor looking for passive cash flow but don't have the time to explore your options? Discover real estate. It's the best option for passive income that savvy investors have been turning to for years to generate income and build wealth. But the reality is real estate investing takes expertise, market knowledge, and time. So what do you do if you don't have the time or market knowledge? Discover how many business investors have found a way to generate cash flow from real estate investing. Their secret? They partner with proven private real estate investment funds. Four Peaks Capital Partners have created a system that allows accredited investors the opportunity to invest in undervalued assets to generate passive income and capital gains. Invest with the cash flow experts and sit back while Four Peaks does all the work. Call Four Peaks Capital Partners at 877-5-INCOME. That's 877-5-INCOME or go to privateincomeinvesting.com. An offer to buy or sell securities is only made by a private placement memorandum. Prospective investors must read the PPM in its entirety before making an investment decision.
0: Gene, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, great to have you back. Uh, You've been uh, up to a lot of exciting things. Before we jump into that, can you please share with my listeners uh, a little bit about your background and your journey?
2: Residential assisted living is what I do now, but I started years ago. I'm a, I'm an old guy now, 57. That's that's old. And uh, when I started when I was 18 years old with my first home uh, that we used as a business location and also lived in it. Bought that property, no money down. Did my first commercial at 25. Been doing fix and flip, buy and hold, residential, small commercial for the last, though, long time, 30 plus years. And uh, now I do just one thing turn single family homes into assisted living homes.
0: Now, uh, let's, before we jump into that, let, let's look at the, this strong trend and the landscape in front of us. Can you share a little bit more about the trend, how it plays into demographics with my listeners?
2: You know, we talk about the baby boomers, and that's a worldwide phenomenon. In 1945, when the war, World War ended, uh, servicemen came home, they got busy, and there was a population explosion. When you look at any chart, you'll see it. It's like a straight line. And then they paused for a couple of months, and boom, they did it again. And then it's just been a steady climb. So when you look at the baby boomers and you look at that spike on any chart, that is a tsunami, a silver tsunami of seniors coming our way. Now, right now, the oldest baby boomers are only 71, 72. But the person who lives in assisted living, uh, they are older than that. They may be 82. So it's 10 years from now. It's like seeing a tsunami 10 years in advance, seeing a stock chart 10 years in advance. When those millions and tens of millions and hundreds of millions worldwide of people age and need a place to live and additional care, not ready for a nursing home, can't stay at home alone we have the perfect solution for them with the residential assisted living.
0: Yeah. What are some of the options? So when mom, the time's going to come that mom and dad need some help. Mm-hmm. Um, and what are some of the options available for them? And how does this play into uh, the serving and, and providing value for them?
2: When When we say when mom and dad need help, typically, you know, people age naturally in home at place. Uh, in place at home, and when we say that they need help, usually people don't move into assisted living until there's an event. And when I say event, what I mean is they fell. Uh, something happened where they can't stay at home alone and be taking care of themselves. So the kids at that point, or 50, 60 let's say, they now have some options. And option one is to go visit mom, go take care of her themselves. And a lot of people just can't quit the job or stop taking care of their own kids to do that. So choice two, hire somebody to come into the home to take care of mom or dad. The average in the U.S. anyway is $23 an hour, $23 U.S. an hour to have somebody come into the home to take care of mom and dad, really a babysitter. It's not a nurse or a doctor. It's just somebody there. So that gets quite expensive. If you've got eight, 10 hours a day, even five days a week, you're at four or 5,000 U.S. every month. So the third option is to have mom or dad move into a facility. And those facilities kind of come in two categories. It's not a nursing home. It's not doctors and nurses and gurneys. It could be a large, big box facility. Uh, we, I call it a big box, meaning it's 100 beds, 200 beds, 300 beds or more, or a home. And the home is what we call residential assisted living. It's a single family home in the middle of a beautiful neighborhood, no sign in front. But the home has a little bit of extras inside. It does have caregivers twenty four seven, but it's actually a home, not like a hotel that's been converted.
0: Interesting, and the home—I mean, this gives them the opportunity to stay in the area where the children and the grandchildren are as well. Yeah, that's
2: one of the most important things to to people. You know, the older I get, the more important kids and grandkids are, and I want to be near them. Fortunately, they all live around me, so it works out great. But imagine somebody moving from a cold area of the country to a a warmer area when they retire, and that's pretty common in the U.S., at least in people's minds. They move from the north and they move to the south when they're older. And now as they get older and they, they need some help, assistance, they want to be near the kids and the grandkids, so they may move back. But it's all about being nearby the family within a few miles, if at all possible, so it's easy for the family to come visit.
0: Now, you'd mention uh, that there's a home in the, in the neighborhood, uh, residential assisted living, a little bit small, a little bit more comfortable. There's um, assistance uh, 24-7. How does this play into uh, the opportunity? And I know that you've shared that there's two sides of it, where there's a, there's a business play and a real estate play. Um, what are, wh- what's the landscape? Is there a lot of these homes? And, and, and what are the opportunities available for people uh, that are interested in providing value and uh, serving the market?
2: I'm really glad you remembered all that. You did great. So it is two parts, real estate on one side, business on the other. So let me show both of those separately and then together. You can own just the real estate and lease it to, not the, the person living in the home, the mom or dad or grandma or grandpa, but to somebody who's operating the business. Now that's the one and only time I'm gonna use the word business because it's a group home for the elderly. We can get around a lot of the rules and regulations for can't operate a business out of a home. It's just a rental property. So you can own the real estate, lease it to somebody who's gonna operate this, a group home for the elderly. They may want a five-year lease. They may be willing and able to pay twice the market rent. So a long-term tenant with low impact and they're gonna take care of the house, it's a tremendous real estate play. On the other side, you can own and operate the business. Now, if you do that, there is more moving parts, there's more effort, but that single-family home, after all expenses, to produce 10,000 a month 15,000 a month net after all expenses so it's a tremendous uh, opportunity to make great money the third option is just to write a check and invest into a REIT a real estate investment trust is one way to do it but I will say the cap rates there have gotten crushed just like apartments uh, a lot of people getting in the game willing to accept a, a lower cap rate than we were before Uh, Same thing with the assisted living. If you do it on the residential side, though, one home at a time, you can get, oh my goodness, in the teens to the 20s and 30s for percentage return. Uh, Big, big picture, because I know you like to think big picture, uh, those of us who are in this game now, uh, if you can put together, let's say, 100 of these homes across an area, The big guys, the big money, not necessarily smart money, but the big money is going to want to buy us out at some point. It's already happening in certain locations and certain levels. But if you have one home that's worth uh, 500,000 US dollars, that's one thing. But if you have 50 or 100 of those that you own or can get an option to buy and can bring that together, now it's worth multiples of that. The big money wants to write big checks and that's what they do
0: this uh, brings me to my next question. So what would be a good uh, way of finding uh, properties and homes that would be a perfect fit for this uh, niche?
2: Now, I'm going to say something that may sound uh, odd, but the real estate's the easy part. Uh, Bricks and sticks, dirt and mud, we can scrape a house away. It's, It's location that's really critically important. So where it is is much more important than the house itself. Having said that, The house that we're looking for would be bigger rather than smaller, more bathrooms as opposed to less. It's going to be well located in a neighborhood, so it may be the area that is right in the corner. It may be right in the front of the neighborhood, easy to find. Location is critical to people uh, coming to see it and bringing mom or dad to it. So I don't want the secluded home in the hills, and I don't want to be buried inside the middle of a neighborhood. I want to be as close to the entrance in the the busy section as possible. Single level is better than multi-level because seniors with mobility issues don't have to worry about stairs. But that's not critical. It's not a must. Uh, Seniors can still go upstairs if needed, when needed. So single level, bigger rather than smaller, I'll give you a rule of thumb, 300 square feet of living space per resident is a very comfortable home. So a 3,000 square foot home, and I don't know what that would translate into in meters, but 300 square feet per resident, not of a bedroom, but of the whole entire house, you could comfortably have 10 or 12 people in that home for assisted living.
0: And then how many caregivers would be, what's the ratio between um, with, yeah, between the caregivers and then the people in the, in the uh, house? Yeah.
2: Most uh, states and, and so on don't regulate how many you have to have. They simply state, you determine how many you have to have to take care of your residents. So what we do in the home situation is we'll have one caregiver for every five or six residents. So if you have 10 or 12 residents, there'll be two caregivers during the day And at night, there'll be one. And most people are asleep. Uh, The few that get up, the one caregiver is plenty to handle that need. They're also cleaning the house, taking care of food prep for the next day. So two during the day, one at night. And I want to make sure that people understand one of the huge benefits that we offer to seniors in a big box facility with 100 or 150 beds, they may say, well, we only need eight caregivers for 150 people so they may be 15 or 20 residents to one caregiver and at night they may say we'll just have two people on staff so the staffing the direct caregiving is uh, a lot less in a big box facility a lot less care it's a lot less personal versus being in a home in a neighborhood
0: right and this uh brings me to my next question which is more kind of on the business side of it if someone gets started and they start with one home is it is it pretty common to self-manage that and until you acquire another property and then get a manager in? Uh, can you share a little bit of uh, some of the best practices as far as the business side of it?
2: Yeah, and, and you had asked a question earlier. It brings back to mind, how many of these homes are there? So I'm in the U.S., and I know the figures here like the back of my hand. There's between thirty and 40,000 of these homes in the U.S. today, but most of them are operated by what I'll call mom and pop. The kids moved out, they're home alone, they've got extra bedrooms, and they say, you know what, we can make some extra food and do some extra laundry, so we'll live in the house and we'll have three, four, five other seniors living in the house with us. So they operate it internally, they live in the house, mom and pop, they're the manager, the caregiver, the cook, the baker, and the candlestick maker. That's not what we teach. (laughs) The way I want you to do it is where it's business, not your home. You you pick the right location, we hire a manager, that manager can oversee one home, two homes, three homes or more. They hire caregivers. They may be a caregiver themselves, but it's not you. You're the owner. You own the real estate. You own this business. Your function is to oversee the manager, to manage the manager. Now, depending on the manager and how good they are, how qualified they are, they can oversee a number of homes, two, three, four, five. It's The more they have, then they're going to have somebody underneath them that's kind of an assistant or a house lead caregiver. And depending on that system itself, it is, you know, you use the term self-managed. And I, I get that, but I just want to make sure everybody understands. I am definitely not saying move five people into your home and you make extra food and do extra laundry. This is going to be a separate property in the proper location, all set up, licensed, and you have a manager. They hire caregivers. And you may go visit once a month or not. That's up to you. And I want you to spend five to 10 hours a week overseeing the manager. Uh, that's what I do. My my job duty is to make sure the manager has what they need to make sure the house is full and everybody is happy. And the more I can offload that and have others do that, the happier I am.
0: You're listening to Gene Garino on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. My friend Dave Zook from the Real Asset Investor says, you can be conventional or you can be wealthy. Pick one. The Real Asset Investor team creates value for investors looking for high yield returns from multi-family apartments, ATM machines, and self-storage investments. Their syndications offer attractive investment opportunities that produce strong cash flow, equity growth, huge tax incentives. They are truly passive and managed by a world-class team to learn more about the exciting investment opportunities the real asset investor offers such as their multi-family atm and self storage syndications please visit cashflowninja.com forward slash real asset investor you're listening to gene garino on the cashflow ninja podcast and now back to our interview now gene we have to be cognizant of the department of business prevention um, which rolls out all these regulations. What does the regulatory environment look like? Uh, does it? I'm, I'm assuming it's different from state to state, just like any other business. Um, can you uh, shed a little bit more light on that?
2: It is different state to state and country to country. So in the US, for instance, there are some states where this is very, uh, it's somewhat more common. And there are easy to follow rules that are, there's departments in the government that you can just go to and fill in paperwork and it's very easy. And Arizona is one of those. Florida is one of those, the two common states in the U.S. for retirees uh, and so on. So there's other states where it's brand new, never been done before. We have students in like Rhode Island, which is a very tiny state in the upper northeast of the U.S., and when they went to the government to say, well, what are the rules? They said, well, nobody's ever done it before. So we literally walked them through the process to do the very first one. At by the end of it, and they opened their home, the state is like, this is a wonderful solution. We want you to do more of these. So that's kind of the other end of it, right? They're right. they're not preventing, they're encouraging. But then you've got other states like the Republic of California that is <laughs> yeah. over-regulating everything, over-taxing everything. And they just make life difficult for any business person.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that, that was the first stake when I, when I said the department of business prevention in California
2: <laughs> was
0: top of mind and the New York is probably in there too. These, these yeah. days, um, mm-hmm. from a, from a risk standpoint, um, every business has its risk. What are some of the the risks in this industry?
2: A lot of people think there must be a lot of risk in the residential assisted living. And the answer to that is, well, we know exactly what we're facing. So we're prepared. We have insurance policies, a a professional business liability insurance policy is what you use on the business side. So uh, let's just, and I I, want to just address this because it is a question that most people have when they first hear about this. If you just have a rental property, a single family home, you rent it to a family If you don't have landlord insurance, your insurance is null and void if there's a fire. You're not living in it, homeowner. So all of a sudden you find out your insurance didn't matter, it didn't help you. All right, let's say you have a landlord policy. You can have tenants, you can have residents who are living there on a month-to-month or year-to-year basis. Now something happens. A five-year-old leaves the house and goes two doors away and drowns in the neighbor's pool. That's tragic. They may... Sue you because you didn't have a fence around to keep their little son safe Even though that's totally ridiculous and that's not taking personal responsibility You have liability and it's tragic on the other hand. I have a home that has seniors These seniors are getting closer and closer to going to heaven every single day And it's not a matter of if it's when they're gonna fall. They're gonna die at some point. They will die and if they've been living in that home peacefully, being taken care of for five years, six years, seven years, paying the owner or the, whoever's operating that business five, six, seven thousand dollars $7,000 a month, and now they pass away for whatever reason, the family's not entirely upset. It's not completely unexpected. It's not tragic. It's life. So they pass away. Now, there may be the occasional person that's upset, but you have an insurance policy for that. But it's actually very rare, uncommon, because we're prepared for it. We know it is coming. We know it is going to happen. So I've never had a a claim on insurance uh, because we're running a good shop. We're good operators. I don't have – we're not warehousing grandma. I actually got into this because my mom needed help, and I couldn't find a good place for her. So I created an atmosphere that I would be proud to have my own mother in. And as long as you treat it that way, uh, when people come in and – oh, here's another good thing. You don't have to accept anybody. So if somebody comes in and wants to move into your home and either they're too much care or this is the big one, that family's kind of a pain in the rear end, you can say, no, we're not going to have you move in. So we get to select who those people are that move in. And if somebody's a troublesome person from the beginning, we just say, no, you, you're not allowed. With the fair housing act in the u.s that was in the 70s and that's the federal law and regulation so states or even local cities and neighborhoods can make rules that they say are fair but the fair housing act says no that's a violation so the fair housing act in general it works to our favor they can't say you can't have six or eight grandmas living in the same home because they're unrelated that would be discriminatory you can't discriminate based on age and so on. So because they can't discriminate there, we can battle any neighborhood, but we don't do that. We'll, we'll go where the low-hanging fruit is, the easier place. But we have students who have homes in those neighborhoods. But the Fair Housing Act reference that I was making is that we are not renting a house to grandma. It's not a tenant-landlord relationship. So that's a wonderful thing. We're providing a service, and if somebody wants to move in, we can say yes or no because it 's not discriminatory if we say we can 't provide this service to you
0: great, great now let 's uh, touch on the financing a little bit because some of the listeners this might be going through their mind thinking about, okay, is it the same type of financing? Are we finance these houses, and some of the options other options that are available if they 're looking to uh, to uh, to get into this business
2: yeah, look at both sides the purchase of real estate and the business startup and then the income potential. So, the house, when it at its core is a residential home, it's in a neighborhood, not owner occupied. So, it would be a commercial loan, a rental property, typically 20% down in the US and finance the rest with a Fannie or Freddie loan, as they call it. You could use private lenders, which I like to use, but you can finance it as a residential rental property. The renovation of the property itself, you can finance it the same way or any other ways that you can finance or do want to finance the renovations. The renovations are probably going to be a little bit different. It's still going to be the same flooring and walls and roof and exterior, but you may have extra things like smoke detectors, maybe even sprinklers or fire suppression, grab bars in the bathrooms and so on. The business itself, you can finance it yourself, private financing. Or SBA, Small Business Administration, or USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, which sounds weird, but there's loans that the government guarantees that you can get from banks that allow you to do tons of things. So USDA, SBA, all very appropriate for this.
0: Very very interesting now an, another thing that goes through my mind right now is on the cash flow side obviously there's a, there's a premium uh, for the, uh, the monthly rent that, that that's charged into this. what are some of the payment options for some of the seniors that are in there um, and what, what is it what is accepted uh, for instance you know does mm-hmm. Medicare pay for this and so forth?
2: So the average person in assisted living in the US today is paying three thousand seven hundred and fifty US dollars a month. That's per month per person in a single family home or a big box facility. Now that's an average, and frankly, you wouldn't want to bring mom to an average home. Uh, you want above average. When I am in front of an audience of 100, 200 people, and I ask people to tell me if you know how much it costs to have a mom, a dad, a grandma from your experience, uh, the numbers I get are four, five, six, eight, ten thousand a month. Now that's not Medicare or Medicaid. If somebody can't afford to take care of themselves, the government does provide, in the U.S. anyway, and they'll go to the government, prove they don't have income or assets. The government will provide about $1,500 a month to $2,200 a month. That's what they'll provide. Now, that's a combination of their own Social Security and then a state subsidy on top of that, totaling, let's say, $2,000 a month. So, I just told you the average home is thirty seven fifty if all they're paying is two grand a month, that home that is going to accept two thousand is pretty low on the standard it's a pretty i 'll call it substandard home it's very crowded food's not so good care not so good, bad neighborhood, and so on so really, what I want you to focus on my students focus on the Upper income, private pay, people who are paying for it with their own resources, whether it be their pension plan, their social security, the equity in their home, their retirement accounts, and then after that is re- all of that is uh, spent, if you will, then the kids who are fifty and sixty will now supplement and pay for it with their resources. So the private pay four, five, six thousand, eight thousand a month—that is what we're typically charging. A few people, less than 10%, have what's called a long-term care insurance policy from a Genworth or Metropolitan. Those are wonderful. When somebody comes to our home and says, I have a policy for Metropolitan, I've had it for 30 years, that's a beautiful thing because that'll probably pay $200 a day, $300 a day or more, which may be higher than what I'm actually charging for that room to somebody else, but I'm going to charge the insurance company the full amount that I possibly can. So that's typically how people pay for it in the ranges of what it is they're paying.
0: Now, Gene, one thing that I've learned within in investments and just in life, right, is by learning from uh, the mistakes that other people make, right? <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> so what are some of the biggest mistakes for uh, new investors in the space uh, to avoid uh, that you've just seen over the years uh, that, that, that people have made?
2: I love that question because a smart man like yourself understands that it is so much less expensive and time-consuming learning from others than it is yourself. So let me give you kind of like the top three mistakes and I could go list after list, but location, location, location. Number one, if it's not in the right location, I don't care how nice the home is or how, if it's in the wrong location, caregivers won't even want to go there, let alone residents. Uh, Number two, it's not about the house. It's not, it's the location, but it's not the real estate. How nice is the house? It's the caregivers, the people that are supplying that service, that caregiving. And then number three, it's really the operation of this business. Think of fine dining restaurant. The last restaurant you went into, somebody is paying $10 for a steak and somebody's paying $210 for a steak. It's not the building. It's its not just the location, it's the service, the combination of all the operations from the manager to the wait staff to the chef and all the way through. So your home is going to be successful or incredibly profitable based on all of those things. Now I'm going to add one more. If anybody who's listening saying, I want to learn more and get into this, great. We're going to give you an opportunity to learn more for sure, but do not go out and buy a house and then look for a tenant. That would be, I'm going to throw in one more. One of the mistakes people make is, I've got the perfect house. Let me buy it. Let me fix it up the way I think it should be without asking any questions. And then let me go find a tenant who's going to lease it for five years at twice the market rent, who's going to operate this incredible business. Don't do that. Do it the other way around. You find that tenant first, that operator first. Ask them, where do you want the property and what do you want me to do to it? Then you can charge twice the market rent for a five-year lease with five-year renewals.
0: You put out so much uh, content on uh, various different platforms on YouTube. There's a lot of great, great educational videos that I went through just uh, researching a little bit more about this industry as well, Gene. So uh, I really appreciate that. Um, You do offer uh, a a a course, a free course for listeners if they're interested as well. Where can they get more information on this? Because (laughs) there's so many different things here. Um, It's completely different than. you know, than then a lot of the other things with a lot of extra r- regulations, state by state differences, licenses, insurance, and so forth. Where can they learn more about uh, how to uh, get into this niche? Well, I'm going to
2: give you a real simple website that people can go to. So if you have a pen and pad ready, get ready to write this down. But it's three letters and three numbers RAL101. So RAL101.com. When you go there, it's It's the essence of a five-hour training boiled down to an hour and 15 minutes and chopped up into seven sections. So if you're like me, it's easy to listen to 15 minutes, 20 minutes. If you want to go through all seven, it's about an hour and 15 minutes long. It'll give you a ton of information about this industry. RAL101.com is a great resource for everybody.
0: And then you speak uh, all over the country, uh, sharing uh, uh, all, a ton of information about this and also offer boot camps for people. Um, where can they stay in, in touch with you to see if they're, you're coming to their neighborhood? And uh, can you share a little bit more information about the boot camps uh, that you put on regularly?
2: Yeah, at our website, the main website is ralacademy.com ralacademy.com the ral stands for residential assisted living just so everybody knows and there's an events tab it'll tell you about the eight trainings a year that we do here in phoenix arizona it's a three-day training boot camp as you said the reason why we do it here by the way is a big part of the training is seeing it touching it feeling it smelling it i want you to to see my homes from the inside out not just get content of here's facts and figures but when people really see it then they get it they understand it we just had our latest training this past weekend it was phenomenal people from all over the country even internationally come in and in that room there's everything from hedge fund managers to brand new real estate investors from nurses and doctors to people that have never ever helped anybody before I'm also seeing a huge trend of people who are, I'm going to say younger to me, 30, 40 is younger who are getting into this because they're looking at this as the the last thing they'll ever need to do. Not the next thing, not a quick thing, fix and flip wholesale quick, right? But buy and hold great. But because the cap rates have gotten crushed, we're at the top of the real estate cycle. They're looking for significant income. So I see people getting into this saying, you know what, if I do just one of these properties and make 10 grand a month, I'm done. So I could do two or three and it, it's easier to do the second and third. And then some of them are catching the vision. Man, if I can put together 10, 20, 50 or 100 of these, I could cash out for $100 million down the road. So I, I love it. People coming in, catching the vision, realacademy.com events tab that'll show you when and where the trainings are and where I'm uh, speaking all across the country.
0: Super exciting. And the other thing that you mentioned, Gene, too, that this is also, I mean, this trend, the baby boomers, obviously, obviously the big one, but there's a, there, there's quite an, a time uh, from the first boomers going into uh, and needing these services to the final ones. And then this will continue, obviously, because we're all going to age.
2: Absolutely. You know, it's, it's an, a phenomena that is just cannot stop. It's incredible. And you know jimmy buffett seventy one years old baby boomer right at the front edge, he just opened up a community of independent living, so what that means is you don't need care, you just move in you can't move in unless you're fifty five and above so his crowd, his followers are fifty five and above that place he three thousand homes is what they made available. they had seventy thousand inquiries within a year to move into the three thousand homes. So he's announced a second location and he specifically said, I'm not doing assisted living, but if you're a private operator and want to open one nearby, I'm I'm good with that. And I love that because we're aging and it's not the baby boomer who's in the home. It's their parent. And if their parents already passed away, they've already moved on. They're looking at themselves going, my time is coming. There's not that many years left or full moons left and they don't want to leave a burden to their kids. So I always tell people, you're going to get involved in assisted living one way or the other. It's either own the real estate, own the business, or lie in a bed, write a check to have somebody else take care of you and a family member.
0: Absolutely. Gene, thank you so much for coming on the show again. This is always a pleasure to connect and, and speak with you. And had a lot of fun as always. Um, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your journey around this very, very exciting uh, real estate niche.
1: My pleasure. Cheers. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Are you having a hard time finding great investment properties? Unfortunately, the best deals are rarely found locally. Successful investing begins with the right properties in the right markets. Norada Real Estate provides everything you need to invest in the best deals across the United States. Our simple proven system will help you create real wealth and passive monthly cash flow. Learn how to find the best deals by downloading your free copy of The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing at noradarealestate.com. That's N-O-R-A-D-A realestate.com.
0: Thank you for joining me again on the Cashflow Ninja. Thank you for all your support. You rock. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter at cashflowninja.com or text cashflowninja to 44222. I'm also posting daily videos on Facebook and YouTube and will live stream weekly starting May, 2018. To make sure you don't miss any of the live streams, please like and subscribe to my Facebook and YouTube platforms. I'm also dropping content on Instagram daily. Be sure to follow us on Instagram to get in on the action. I want to thank you for spending your most precious resource with me today, your time. That's our show for today. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms.